This is Circulating Ideas, episode number 247. My name is Steve Thomas, and my guest today is Alyssa Weiss, author of Nocturne and The Waking Forest. She's also an assistant librarian in youth services. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from listeners just like you. Find out how you can help support the show by going to circulatingideas.com slash support. And don't forget to sign up for the Circulating Ideas newsletter at circideas.substack.com. Alyssa Weiss, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk mostly about your writing and your book and things like that. But before we get into that, since you do work in a library, and this is mostly a library-focused podcast, um, how did you get started working in libraries in the first place? I've always been a lover of the library. In college, I worked a little bit in my university library. Then I ended up graduating and going to get my MFA in writing instead of doing a master in library science which was fine too. But I eventually made my way back to libraries when I just saw a jab opening and I was like, hey, this could be (laughs) something. So I got the job and yeah, nine years later, I'm still in youth services and I still love it. So what what kind of stuff do you do? Do you programs, outreach, stuff like that? Well, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Programming definitely is my favorite thing. I do story time which is probably my very favorite thing. I I actually, about a year ago, I left my current library, which it was awesome. And I moved to my hometown library, which is just like extra special for me because I went to that library as a kid with my mom, story time. And now I'm a story time lady there or one of the story time ladies there. So it's just like really special. I love that. I do... All different kinds of programs, graphic novel club. I just came off of doing a Moana sing-along, which was very fun. So, yeah, a little of everything. I do some preschool outreach as well and a lot of reference. Yeah. Uh, do, do you ever get to use the fact that you've written books or anything like that? Like, do the kids know, oh, look, she actually has books. I mean, I know what book. The books that you write are not necessarily appropriate for preschoolers to read. There's nothing explicit in the books, but they're not going to be interested in gothic romance. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think the toddlers will be there for that. But no, I mean, I really don't. The toddlers keep me humble. I, you know, they don't care that I've written a book. They just care that I'm, you know, doing some rhymes with them. Some people will come in, like my coworkers are really good because I tend to get really shy about <laughs> the fact that I wrote books and that mm-hmm. hey, you can go check them out <laughs> in this library. So my coworkers are really good about like telling people, which <laughs> is really nice and sometimes embarrassing, but I always appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you you don't always have your own book sitting out there as, look, it's my staff pick. Yes, please check this out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And neither of my books are in because we only go up to eighth grade in youth services. So, I mean, I guess an eighth grader could check out The Waking Force. That'd be fine. But it's shelved in young adult, which is in the adult department. But my coworkers in adult services are also really good about promoting it, too. So, yeah, they're very sweet. (laughs) So, obviously, probably since you went to the library a lot, you were a big reader. And since you're a writer, I assume you were probably a big reader growing up. Is there any authors in particular that you feel like you read growing up that, not that you're trying to match their style, but that you feel like you 
learned from or kind of imprinted on you as a writer? Like when you're writing, you feel like, oh, this is kind of like this or something. Uh, I think uh, maybe not so much in style, but one of my all time favorites was Gail Carson Levine. Who wrote El Enchanted? <laughs> that was my favorite book. And it still is. I read it like once a year. But I loved all of her books. And so I feel like because I really love fairy tales and I love writing fairy tales now for adults. So I feel like she really set me on that path with her books and being like, oh, you can kind of remix it or put a new spin on it. I was also a Narnia kid. I was really into the Chronicles of Narnia. That kind of like fantasy, the portal fantasy, which I got a little bit uh, of in The Waking Forest. I love kind of blending real world and fantasy. So yeah, those are probably two of my favorites, but I read a lot. Like I read everything, you know, and, but fantasy was always my favorite for sure. And still is. What are some of the earliest stories you remember writing before you were like, I'm going to be a writer when I grow up, but just sort of when you were crafting stories as a kid. I wrote a lot of fan fiction about my Beanie Babies. That was like my big thing because I'm a 90s kid. So I had recurring characters that were all like Spot the Snow Leopard or whatever. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got my start was writing about them. I also started my own little newspaper at one point too that I would give to my grandma. <laughs> and it would just be like little articles about me and my cousin. <laughs> And I still have copies of those and they're just kind of funny to look back on. So I don't know. I, I guess I could have gone the journalism route too, but I definitely am drawn to stories and to fiction. So yeah, that was probably my earliest writing. But then, you know, as a teenager, I was caught up in that Twilight craze. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember me and my friends writing fan fiction of that and things like that. <laughs> those were definitely... Some of my earliest very bad stories. <laughs> well, the Beanie Babies things you could like bring back of like that Aaron Hunter, that whole series of all the animals. You could just, yes. just bring those stories back and just update them. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? It's really funny. I actually went to talk to a preschool class about writing and mm -hmm. not connected to the library at all. It was just the teacher who reached out and was like, I want my kids to talk to a writer. And I was like, all right. So I actually brought one of my Beanie Baby stories with me to show them. Like, this was my early story. And they were so into it. So I was like, maybe there's something here. Yeah, you need to have your agent or whatever find out who has the license for Beanie Babies and see if you can get in there. Oh, my gosh. This is, yeah, we're getting the ideas going here. I like this. If it, if it happens, I'll expect my uh, royalty or something. So. Yes, of course. <laughs> The first book you had published, as you mentioned before, The Waking Forest, I was curious, number one, how long it took you to sell it to a publisher once you'd finished it. And then tell me how you felt when you did sell it to a publisher. Well, that one took a while, I will say. So the journey that you see for a writer is not always what there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes. So the Waking Forest was not the first book I actually tried to get published. I had a book before that, which I got my agent, you know, I signed my agent with that book and it was out with publishers for a while and I didn't get anything, which is fine. It was very sad at the time, but then I was working on The Waking Forest. So we sent that out and it probably took, I don't even remember <laughs> anything pre-COVID is sort of blurry to me. It probably took like, 
I would say probably a little less than a year, but it was out there for a while. But when I finally got that yes to the editor, it was just like, I mean, the best feeling. <laughs> so it was a it was a long time coming. When I think it's interesting too that then that first book that I wrote that got shelved kind of became the basis for my next book, Nocturne. Because that one was also about dancers. It's kind of completely different. But in hindsight, I'm glad that that book didn't get published because then Nocturne could kind of come out of that. So Waking Forest, can you tell us, uh, our listeners a little bit about what that book is about? Yeah, so that one is my young adult book. And it is about this girl who has four sisters and two loving parents. And everything seems fine until she starts having these visions of a forest in her backyard that vanishes when she tries to go near it and she also has these weird nightmares and there's another storyline about a witch in the woods that grants wishes to children in their dreams and it's kind of about these two storylines colliding is that one clearly a fantasy all the way through like i mean when you started off you could tell you're in like a fairy tale yeah it's both i would say the character's name is ria she lives in the real world like our, our worlds. And then the witch is kind of in a fantasy world. It's where that portal fantasy comes in, where they do intertwine eventually to become like pure fantasy. When I was reading Nocturne, I remember I was about five, six chapters in and I had to flip back to the cover and the back and go, I thought this was a dark fantasy, but this is like just about this ballet dance what is the fantasy part and then i mean pretty soon after that you get into that part of it but it's very solidly set in depression era chicago i mean you're very much set in the real world and then there's fantasy elements in it and it gets more fantasy as it goes along there but for the first part of it i mean you're really just kind of deep into this girl's life and how she's dealt with the poor hand that she's been dealt in that mm-hmm. period have you grown up in the Chicago area? How did you do the research to kind of get that feel for that era of Chicago? Yeah, so I did grow up in the suburbs of Chicago. My mom's side of the family is from the north side. And so that's kind of the inspiration for the setting, as well as, you know, I wanted to write the story about dancers and I kind of knew I wanted to be it to be historical. And I was doing a separate research project about just my family history. And so that led me to this era. The character, Grace, she would have been a little bit older than my grandma, but it's kind of based on my grandma's life, just that setting. She was not a dancer or anything like that. But, you know, like just that era and the Italian-American immigrant. So all that was really inspired by my own personal family history. And your grandma didn't have any dark, mysterious patrons or anything dealing <laughs> You know, not that I know of. There you go. So that could be the secret. Maybe I'm going to dig deep, deeper. <laughs> what is it that you like about ballet or maybe even, I guess, love about ballet that you wanted to write a book set in that world? Yeah, I did ballet starting when I was four years old and then all the way through college, really. I was like all in, especially in high school. I danced six or seven days a week. And it was just so intense. It was like my whole life, which is great. And I always knew, like, I have to write about this and I want to. But it, it did really take me a long time to find my way there. Because like you're saying with Nocturne, where it starts off really grounded in reality, but then it goes into fantasy, which is kind of what I love about ballet. It is so fantastical and it lends itself so well to fairy tales. 
that this felt like the right avenue for this story to bring in all the glamour and just the ballets themselves are so like my favorite ballet is Giselle and it's about ghosts basically and it's very ethereal which is kind of what I wanted to bring to Grace's life herself you know one of the reasons I got into ballet was to wear a tutu right (laughs) so (laughs) I love the costumes I got to wear many tutus so (laughs) I just yeah I wanted to write about all of that and really immerse the reader in the story. <laughs> I assume a lot of the feelings that she's having while she's dancing is drawn from personal experience of just how you feel when you're on the stage and you can feel the audience there and you can just feel yourself getting drawn into the dance as you're doing it and all that. Yes, yes, exactly. All of that, yeah, was really like my own feeling. And even the feeling of like, once you get the big role that you wanted or whatever that feeling of like well now what or sometimes there is some like a little bit of an elusive like i want something more out of this because there's always something to strive for i wanted to write that into grace's character as well yeah well i'm sure you had feelings like some of the other characters who are jealous of the person who gets the, the main role and um, it's like, they oh, yeah. I'm a better dancer than them. What they get the role for and all this kind of stuff. Yes. It's a lot of emotions, especially when you're a teenage girl. I mean, Grace is 20 in the book, but she's still not quite out of that where it's just like so many emotions and you're with so many people and it really, you are competing against them and it can be really tough. Yeah. The story is told through Grace's point of view. Is there, I, I don't even know how you go through the process of deciding this but was there a point when you decided yes this has to be told in first person like where you were like okay this is how this has to go or you're going to tell it in third person where you're sort of inside of her head of how do you go through the process of deciding how you want to do that or is it just a feeling yeah Yeah, that's interesting i guess when i really first started writing the earliest draft of this i had a scene that i had written and it was in third person so I'm really not sure when I made the switch to first, except that, yeah, you just kind of feel it for the story that this one just felt like it needed to be told from her point of view. Yeah, I don't really have a concrete answer. Just I mean, a feeling. <laughs> you know, there's obviously limitations to all, all different types, because if you're doing the third person, then all of a sudden it's like, well, then you can know the thoughts of the dark, mysterious guy. And he's not as dark as mysterious. But if you're only seeing it from her point of view, you're only seeing this person sort of shadowy going in and out. But if you're popping around with different characters and they're seeing all this stuff, that it's just different. Exactly. Um, yeah. What I really wanted to try with this story too was that the reader is in the exact same place as Grace is because they're each getting the same amount of information at the same time. So you're really, as the reader, are also being pulled in with her to this mysterious world, which I think wouldn't have worked in a different point of view or... Yeah, I, I like getting inside the characters, following along with the characters. Again, whether it's first person or not, just following along with them. Um, are you an outliner or are you just a type the words on the page or write the words down and then come back later and structuralize it? Yeah, I'm definitely not an outliner. When I try to do that, I, I get bored with the story. I'm not, like, I already thought of the whole thing. Sometimes I just kind of start something and hope I'll find it along the way kind of my method I think there comes a point with that where like halfway through I kind of really have to decide okay where is this going you know like I had even when I started I knew where Grace would end up or at least the tone that I wanted I guess 
Because when I first started, I didn't actually have an idea of who the patron was going to be. Like, I, and so then halfway through when I was like, oh, you know, he's spoiler. I don't want to say it. Then that's when the rest of the story really formed for me in my mind where I'm like, oh, okay, this is the story I'm telling. Yeah. As long as the final product comes out well, I don't think there, there's a right or wrong way to write. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I just find that, you know, outlines are good too and I have used them, but I just like to kind of figure it out and surprise myself along the way and just kind of play. I kind of think of it as like playing around. <laughs> I love editing. Like going back, like, you know, revising. I don't know. Like drafting is good too, but I love when I have something that I can like play around with and just rip it apart and put it back together. I really enjoy that part of it. The the blank page is not quite as much fun. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> the two books you have published have both been dark fantasy, I guess, is the sub-genre of fantasy. What appeals to you about that genre? What is it that draws you to it, do you think? I think it's the emotions of it. I like a good rom-com reading them, but I feel like, I, I don't know. I mean, never say never, but I feel like that's not something I could write just because, I don't know, I just always tend to go darker. I think that's probably comes from my love of fairy tales and like there's the Disney version, which I love. I mean, I just had a Moana day. Like, I love it. But I also really love the darker side to it. And I just like to explore that and it's kind of what i like to read too for the most part i feel like there's a little bit more freedom to kind of explore different themes and topics in dark fantasy that you don't get with something lighter yeah i mean there's a difference between the nice cute little mermaid where everything's nice and she gets married at the end and then the one where she dies at the end of the original <laughs> yeah and she turns into sea foam and it's yeah yeah there's, there's, tragic. Lots, there's, there's lots more death and murder and Really yeah, happening in original fairy tales. Yeah, I'm like, what does that say about me that I like? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, it, speaking of that, is there a genre that you really love, like rom coms or something, but that you don't think you would ever write because it doesn't fit? Just your writing is not the right fit for that. Yeah, I guess probably. Oh, oh my gosh, I love a good historical mystery. Like I'm thinking of like Deanna Rayborn. Rayborn. Mm -hmm. Or there's the Lady Sherlock series that I really yeah. love. Something like that. Like, they can get kind of dark. You know, there's murder and stuff, but they are also a little bit light in tone. There's romance in there. Yeah. I love that. I don't know if I could ever write it. Just because I always tend to veer too dark for that. But again, you, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it would be more of a challenge. For it would. Yeah, yeah. And especially, I think, too, the big one that sticks out to me as realistic fiction that I feel like I can safely say I'm probably never right just because I just don't enjoy it as much. You're not going to read the stuff that goes on the beach reads? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of times, if you ever talk to fans, they're of course going to ask you what's coming next. Do you right. know what your next book is going to be yet? I do. So I do have um, another book right now. It's set for um, April 30th of next year. And it is called We Shall Be Monsters. And again, another dark fantasy. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a historical romance. <laughs> yeah. Not, not this time, but maybe the next book. But yeah, this one's all about, like, just like the title says, monsters, a creepy forest, 
it's kind of like the waking forest in that way like with the vibes totally different story though it's about like a mother and a daughter and their relationship and these creatures in this forest that buy their house so i'm really excited about that one do do you use specific fairy tales as jumping off points or do you just kind of use it as background kind of feel because in nocturne especially there's a little beauty and the beast dish in there but don't go into it reading it thinking it's going to be the beauty and the beast story it's not that but there's some in there certainly yeah it definitely was an influence but yeah i don't consider it a true retelling of beauty and the beast like the waking forest little bit sleeping beauty but i never thought to myself i'm writing a sleeping beauty story so same with the next one my jumping off point there was a little bit but like there's literally nothing left of the original story in there because i just kind of like take it and run with it so it's more like just the feel the tone of a fairy tale the themes you know things like that is what i like to take instead of retelling a story truly yeah okay so again your new book is nocturne and then you'll have another book in april again called something with monsters sorry i already forgot no, that's okay. We shall be monsters. We shall be monsters. That's a good title, too. Mm-hmm. Like the quote from Frankenstein, but it's not a Frankenstein book, but there's just monsters in it. Yeah, I was going to say the historical romance one can just be Monster Had My Baby or one of those <laughs> Harlequin titles. You know what I mean? Those wonderful. Yes, yes. Anyway, the newest book that you can go out and right now and read is Nocturne. That's available now. You can go out and get it at your local bookstore or, of course, at your local public library. And if your local public library doesn't have it, then you request it. So they get it. And that still helps Alyssa House. That's still a sales. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your work, both in libraries and writing. And I hope people go out there and read your books. I enjoyed reading Nocturne and I will enjoy reading We Shall Be Monsters next year. Thank you again so much for coming on and for the great conversation. Thank you so much. All right, have a great day. Thank you. Circulating Ideas is produced in the suburbs of Atlanta. To catch new episodes as they're released, follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to hear past episodes, go to circulatingideas.com and read even more about the innovative people and ideas moving libraries through the 21st century, subscribe to the Circulating Ideas newsletter at circideas.substack.com. Our theme music was composed by Pamela Klicka, and the logo was crafted by Shandy Fry. Thank you for listening, and until the next episode, keep circulating your ideas. Look forward to, I was going to, I forgot again, here, that's not here, that be monsters. It's, say it again. We shall be monsters. We shall be monsters. Uh, I'm going to edit that to make that right. I'm going to say that no, again. So, okay. I already forgot again. We shall be monsters. We shall be monsters. Yeah.